Hey everyone, and welcome to On Air with Air Cargo World, the podcast of Air Cargo World. Since 1941, the leading magazine for the air freight industry. I'm Charles Kaufman, Air Cargo World's senior editor, and I'm joined today by editor Karen Livingston and associate editor Jeff Lee. Welcome, Karen and Jeff. Hi, Charles. Hey, hi. This is the weekly wrap of what's happening in air cargo for the week of November 30th. It is Friday, December 4th, and what a week it's been. Uh, this week, much of the news on Air Cargo World has focused on the operational and commercial impacts of COVID-19, uh, an impact that is uh, really expected to affect shipments for months to come. In the United States, more than 1 million new cases were reported this week. And although resilient, logistics is unfortunately not completely immune to the virus. We do, however, have brighter skies ahead with vaccine approval and deliveries on the horizon. Uh, and so that could mean a significant influx of vaccine shipments uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, Karen, we wrote a story this week about uh, disruptions at Los Angeles Airport, uh, one of the busiest air cargo gateways in the United States and in the world for that matter. Can you set the stage for us a bit by helping us to understand how we got there? Uh, sure. So the, uh, yeah, the story that we wrote this week was really a team effort on behalf of Air Cargo World's editors and uh, kind of looking at um, what's been happening at LAX so far this year, uh, while you know, the impact on passenger aviation has has hurt cargo throughput at a lot of major airports. LAX has actually increased its cargo throughput so far uh, compared to 2019. And uh, the most recent month um, uh, with data available at the time we wrote the story was October. And uh, throughput was actually up almost 17 percent year over year. So uh and I think uh, about 4% year to date. So uh, there's a lot of you know factors involved there, uh, but one of the most important ones has to do with the, the modal shift right now in logistics. Um, while air cargo is having its, you know, some of its own interruptions, um, ocean freight is, has really been struggling as a mode recently. There are dozens of ships um, off off the coast of LA and so we're seeing a pretty major shift to air freight from ocean right now. All right, and certainly that is that is driving some of the demand. I mean, many of the um, major cargo gateways you know, saw quite an uptick in in October. They were you know near 2019 levels. Um, that is that is pretty significant that uh, a major gateway like LAX uh, really has started to exceed uh, 2019 figures, uh, despite the dislocation from uh, far fewer passenger flights. Can you tell us a bit about what the situation at LAX is like right now? Um, and do we have any indication as to when things might clear up? Right. So the major news at LAX this week was the cancellation of uh, of many uh, many dozen um, cargo flights, especially on the Trans-Pacific route. So uh, we, it seems to be the issue that there's uh, there's some infections there among the ground handlers, and uh, and 
Beyond that, uh, the the increase in in cargo volumes there has has overwhelmed a lot of the uh, the handling capacities at some of the airports, including LAX. And so we're seeing, you know, many cancellations announced uh, through December 10th, so well into next week as well. Yeah, it could certainly extend beyond December 10th. I'm I'm sure, depending on how the, the situation plays out. Uh, apart from Los Angeles, what are some of the other impacts of rising COVID cases in the United States and, and globally that we're we're starting to see? Right. So uh, as we reported in in our story this week, uh, Chicago O'Hare has also been affected. Uh, many of the flights. Uh, into O'Hare uh, on the Trans-Pacific route have also been canceled for this week and into next week. Um, in many cases, again, it seems to be uh, problems with COVID outbreaks among cargo handlers, and handlers are again reporting problems, maintaining maintaining staffing basically due to the infections and the overall impact uh, from the virus this year. So uh, in the upcoming weeks, we do expect to continue following the developments at, you know, at many of the other major uh, cargo airports in the U.S. So I, I guess in, in line with the rising number of infections, uh, we are starting to see that the shipments of, of personal protective equipment are, are starting to pick up. Uh, so there are few suppliers in the United States. Um, predominantly, those factories are, are um, mostly located throughout Asia. Uh, during the initial wave uh, of PPE shipments, particularly those, those Trans-Pacific flows uh, in April and, and May, we saw quite a few passenger aircraft uh, put into service, uh, into cargo-only service, uh, and that you know, led to a pretty profound increase in, in rates. Um, you know, we're seeing rates are, are once again starting to rise, and um, you know, PPE is, is once moving into the United States, but are you seeing, uh, we're, all, we're also seeing, uh, you know, different origins for, for some of these commodities, right? Right. So as you said, in the, the initial spike back in, in April and May with the, you know, the influx of PPE shipments kind of, uh, causing some some capacity shortages we saw passenger freighters enter enter into uh, cargo operations uh, just because you know the rates had to be high enough to kind of maintain those operations and now that rates are rising again with some of these shipments um, we are hearing from from cargo handlers and from forwarders that there are more passenger freighters operating once again and uh, one of one of the interesting developments uh, that we reported on this week uh, is out of India, where there uh, there are manufacturers of PPE, but also uh, PPE materials that are then shipped into into other countries like the U.S. for for manufacturing of the final product. And so, uh, in in India uh, or from India, SpiceJet has recently applied uh, for a foreign air carrier permit for operations uh, between. Uh, India and JFK Airport in the U.S. to transport PPE. Uh, some of those are expected to fly on SpiceJet's freighters, but they've also applied for passenger freighter operations. All right. This, yeah, this is really interesting because um, SpiceJet actually only has 737 freighters, and they would 
have to make quite a few stops on the way to the U.S. But what makes this interesting is that SpiceJet actually um, wet leases A340 aircraft from um, from Highfly based in Malta, um, and they started that actually late in August um, with the first A340 300 from from Highfly. But they've actually added a few more since then, and now they they're operating around uh, three A340s. Um, on behalf of SpiceJet, and they've flown to you know a large variety of places like uh, like Hong Kong, Dubai, uh, Ho Chi Minh, Istanbul, Frankfurt. So they've really expanded their their cargo network um, thanks to these passenger freighters wet leased um, from Highfly, um, and so they've extended their reach. Um, and more generally, actually, um, we are still continuing to see more new and additional reconfigurations of passenger aircraft. Um, so, I mean, recently we've seen TAP Air Portugal. They just added an A330-200, and they have another on the way, and I hear that they'll actually be uh, applying cargo branding to these aircraft, which is interesting. Um, Cebu Pacific in the Philippines is... We'll soon have two A330-300s reconfigured. Um, we saw aircraft engine lease finance uh, start a completely new venture with uh, with their first A330-200 um, removed, so with seats removed, and they'll be adding three, two or three more. Um, Emirates, which previously had 10 777-300s, um, they've now got 14, but I hear they'll be ramping that up even more. Um, and Azul in Brazil is an interesting one. They have um, they now have four reconfigured Embraer E195s, uh, and they could add more. So, and around the world, it's we're still seeing these uh, these op- kinds of operations, and we're now at around 200 aircraft that have been reconfigured in this way, or in, with some level of seats removed. Um, so. Of course, some of those have returned to passenger operations, but as uh, as cases climb again, we don't, we might see uh, some reconfigurations again, or some some other new reconfigurations. Um, so it's it's kind of you know the second uh, wave globally, second wave of aircraft reconfigurations. Okay, thank you for that update, Jeff. And I, I want to shift gears a bit and, and look ahead to. Uh, vaccine transportation, uh, we have seen some of the first vaccine uh, vaccines moving on, on flights uh, in, in recent weeks. And, you know, Jeff and I have had conversations with, with carriers, you know, discussing the relative role that passenger freighters might play in, in delivering vaccines. And, of course, the responses often reflect uh, the, the the fleet characteristics of, of the individual carrier, um, and, and but Karen, you've really you've been in touch with uh, a number of forwarders this week, kind of looking at uh, capacity and um, and also demand for vaccine transportation. And I'm curious, you know, what do the forwarders think about passenger freighters? Right. So now that we're Looking at some of the uh, the initial uh, shipments of COVID nineteen vaccines, um, 
We have seen, you know, at least one operation using a freighter aircraft, which uh, we reported this week for Airbridge Cargo using a 747 freighter. But uh, we also saw that United has already conducted some flights to position Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine um, ahead of regulatory approval in the U.S. And uh, what I've heard from from some of the forwarders I've spoken with this week um, is that at least with some of these initial flights, um, the shipments of vaccines have been relatively small, maybe 10,000 doses, which, uh, you know, adds up only to one or two pallets. So you may not necessarily need, you know, a w- large white body freighter for some of these these shipments because maximizing the, the aircraft capacity is less important. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the factors involved in passenger freighter operations uh, is the the reduced capacity compared to a, to an actual freighter aircraft? Uh, so this seems to be kind of a niche operation, at least while shipments are remaining pretty small to only one or two pallets uh, that passenger freighters might be pretty well suited for. And then another major factor in this has to do with um, the shipping requirements for these, which. Uh, you know, all the forwarders I'm speaking with, they emphasize that because, you know, regulatory approval is still outstanding for most of these, uh, most of these vaccines, the exact handling requirements aren't, aren't certain. But it's pretty clear that, you know, a lot of dry ice is going to be involved in the shipments and dry ice is a dangerous good. So there are some pretty strict limitations on how much dry ice you can ship in either a freighter aircraft or or a passenger aircraft. So while passenger freighters, you know, offer less capacity, uh, fully loading a wide-body freighter for vaccine transport is probably not going to be feasible because of the restrictions for dangerous goods. So passenger freighters, again, uh, seem like they're going to be pretty well suited for some of the the direct uh, point-to-point distribution flights and and flights with smaller vaccine shipments. That's that's an interesting point. Uh, quite a, quite a, a number of developments this week with with the vaccine, and I I, I for one am definitely uh, ready for the that distribution to commence. Uh, what's ahead for the next couple of weeks, Karen? Right. So uh, we we're preparing to publish our December January issue of Air Cargo World, and so that will feature our Executive of the Year Award, and also highlight our executives to watch for 2021. And uh, since this has been a really unusual year for air freight and for and for business globally, uh, we've discussed some of the challenges uh, with the executives that we'll be featuring. So uh, Air Cargo World subscribers should, uh, should plan to watch out for those features. All right. Yes, I, I'm certainly looking forward to reading that. Uh, you can read all of the stories that we've discussed here on the podcast today on aircargoworld.com. Uh, fortunately, that's all for this edition of the Weekly Wrap. Thanks to all of our listeners for, for joining us.